Hello, everyone. Welcome to this PwC TaxBite podcast. My name is Peter Dree, a director in the Global Tax Team, and I'm very pleased that I'm having here today two experts with me on global minimum taxation. The reason we are recording this podcast is, of course, the publication by the OECD of a 70-page document outlining the proposal for a global minimum tax. Larger multinational companies will have to pay at least 15% in every territory where they are active. That would be the one-sentence summary, I would guess, of this document. But we will explore in much more detail with Jorgen Brotaars, and, and Jorgen is globally leading our compliance services network, and Jean-Philippe van West, who is a senior counsel in our team and monitoring all the European developments very closely. So publication of such a document right before Christmas yeah, I have to start with this question, Jean-Philippe. Did you expect that the document was going to come out as a as an early Christmas gift, or uh, was there a bigger chance that it would have been postponed into the new year? Uh, I would say, Peter, finally the model rules have been published. Eh? We have been waiting for them since uh, the 13th of November when they were initially uh, announced, but now three weeks later they are finally there, and uh, the publication of the model rules is an important development eh, and brings us a big step closer to the introduction of this so-called worldwide minimum tax. And uh, the next step is that countries will have to adopt these rules. And as we know, uh, within the European Union, the European Commission will present a directive to implement these model rules uh, in the EU. And uh, if introduced, Pillar 2 can be regarded as a real revolution in the international tax landscape. Because within the BEPS 1.0 uh, project, uh, resulting in, amongst others, the adoption in uh, the principal purposes in tax treaties, uh, they said low taxation as such is not a real issue, as long as you have economic substance and genuine business activities. But this will change with the introduction of a minimum tax according to which uh, the mere fact that you have a low effective tax rate in a certain jurisdiction will lead to additional uh, taxes to be, to be paid with respect to profits of that low tax or obtained in that low tax jurisdiction. So this here, I see a clear uh, deviation from the previous work done within the BEPS framework. And uh, the publication, so that's important. Um, the publication of the model rules came together with the publication of a summary document providing some general information on Pillar 2, um, a fact sheet explaining how to apply Pillar 2, and some frequently asked questions, which altogether these documents provide, of course, some useful information uh, in understanding uh, Pillar 2 and the, the, the model rules. Um, the model rules, important is that the model rules as such do not say when the directive will be effective, uh, when the model apologies, when the model rules will be effective, but in the past, on several occasions, it was communicated that the aim is to achieve to adopt these model rules uh, by countries in 2022, so that they enter into effect in 2023. So a very ambitious uh, timeline, I would say. 
indeed very ambitious uh, timeline and uh, thanks for for updating us on that jean philippe now with um, a 70 page document on my desk a few days before christmas i can imagine that not everyone in the audience has immediately printed this and uh, read it uh, so can you can you summarize for us your key takeaways from what's in the document and how it's different from um yeah the previous documents that were published by the ocd yes of course and as such, the principle behind Pillar 2 is, is very easy to explain. Huh? So every multinational should pay at least 15% taxes in every jurisdiction where the multinational is active. Important is that it concerns an effective tax rate uh, and not the, that you should not look at the, just at the nominal rate of a certain jurisdiction. If the tax rate is below 15%, let's say 10%, then 5% top-up tax will have to be paid with respect to the profits of that low tax uh, jurisdiction. In practice, of course, the rules are much more complicated. And in a first step, you should de determine whether you as a multinational are in scope. And generally speaking, Pillar 2 will apply to multinationals with annual revenues above 750 million euros, However, there are some important exclusions, for example, for pension funds and investment funds. So if a multinational uh, is in scope, uh, the effective tax rate should be calculated on a jurisdictional uh, basis. So per jurisdiction, you have to see which entities uh, are situated in, in a jurisdiction, and then you have to calculate the aggregated effective tax rate. This requires, on the one hand, the calculation of the covered taxes, and important here is that it does not only concern uh, the current uh, taxes, but also deferred taxes. And this is uh, an important deviation from uh, the OSD blueprint that was released in October 2020. So for those already following this uh, topic for a longer time, here there is a clear deviation between uh, the Pillar 2 blueprint a year, published a year ago and now, and now, which is the inclusion of deferred taxes. So cover taxes on the one hand. On the other hand, the globe income has to be calculated. The globe income is the, the income calculated for Pillar 2 purposes. And the starting point forms the, financial accounting, forms the financial accounting income before any consolidation adjustments, eliminating intra-group transactions. And this as well can be regarded as a real revolution. So the starting point is not the tax profit, but the financial accounting profit. And afterwards, if you have this financial accounting profit, several adjustments have to be made to the financial accounting profit to arrive at the income for pillar two purposes or the globe income. And uh, dividing the cover taxes by uh, the globe income gives the effective tax rate per jurisdiction. And then if this effective tax rate is below 15%, top-up tax will be due with respect to the profits realized in this low-tax jurisdiction. Important is that the model rules provide for a substance-based carve-out, meaning that the, the amount on which top-up tax will be due may be lowered based on a certain percentage of the total payroll costs and value of the tangible assets. And so in this way, you calculate the top-up tax uh, due per uh, jurisdiction. And then the model rules provide for two mechanisms to collect any top-up tax due. The first rule is the income inclusion rule, which is the main rule, 
which is a kind of super CFC rule to be applied at the level of the ultimate parent entity, insofar the country where the ultimate parent entity uh, is situated adopted pillar two. Besides uh, this income inclusion rule, there is the undertext payment rule, which functions as a backstop and via which any top-up tax uh, due not collected via an income inclusion rule will be allocated, uh, will be collected. So this, in a nutshell, uh, how Pillar 2 uh, and the model rules uh, work. Well, thanks for that summary, Jean-Philippe. You make it sound like it's uh, an, an, an easy exercise to calculate it, but uh, that is, of course, uh, just because you, you made a good summary. Uh, the real complexity uh, I often hear is in, well, making sure you are compliant, making sure your calculations are right. Um, and, and where in the past, I think the financial impact was very high on the agenda in the discussions we had with, with businesses on this, uh, like where will I pay, how much additional tax will I pay, what kind of regimes will be in scope, what with losses, and that were the typical questions. We now see much more questions coming on the compliance side. Um, Jorgen, what's your take on this? Uh, yes, Peter, you're right that we should not underestimate the compliance impact. Uh, I've spent the last 20 years working with clients on, on helping them to manage their global statutory and tax requirements in an efficient and effective way. And if you look at the different data challenges organizations experience with the existing obligations, they will be very similar for Pillar 2. And this not only for the calculation of the financial impact, but also for the preparation of the additional return that will be introduced. Let me give you three examples of these data challenges being collecting good quality data at source, managing the vast number of adjustments, and then finally, putting adequate governance in place. Let me start with the data challenge. The devil is always in the details. And as you can imagine, this also applies for the globe income calculation and the computation of the adjusted cover taxes. Jean-Philippe referred already to the fact that the basis will be the financial accounting net income or loss determined in preparing consolidated financial statements. So basically coming out of your consolidation processes. Sounds easy, but we always see challenges in terms of, for instance, legal entities consisting of a combination of multiple business units or ledgers, differences in currencies or calendar between entities in a jurisdiction, entities with lots of adjustments between gap and stat, which are actually more gap fixing then there are real policy differences. Topside consolidation adjustments not being pushed down and what have you. And then you need all the additional data points for the adjustments. I can tell you none of these amounts will be readily available in the typical enterprise chart of accounts without having to do an additional analysis. So managing this process, it will require you to potentially update corporate and local chart of accounts, tax templates, or even introduce intermediate consolidations. So data governance will be really key. Next, taxpayers will need to manage all the adjustments from financial accounting net income or loss to globe income or loss, and from cover taxes to adjusted cover taxes. There are more than 20 possible adjustments to be made by constituent entity, and these are then to be aggregated with the jurisdictions. And if you then add the fact that some elections can be made, I believe we will all agree that this goes way beyond what you should manage in spreadsheets. The only way to manage this is through a dedicated platform, driving standardization and automation of the process, and embedding an audit trail, 
producing, for instance, standard bridges which provide, provide the required transparency in the end-to-end -end process. And then finally, maybe a word on governance. With the, the annual standardized information return that will be introduced, we're adding yet another compliance obligation. This will include, for instance, uh, notification obligations across the globe, similar to CBCR. So it's clear that you will need to put the right governance in place to assure that all information is available, that it's reviewed by the right competencies in the organization, and that it's filed in time to meet your corporate obligations. So yes, Peter, I would say indeed, the compliance impact will be quite high and, and certainly not comparable to, for instance, the CBCR obligations. Okay, yeah, thanks, Jorgen. That, that really fits uh, nicely with what we see in, in the, the various discussions we have on this topic, eh? that, that the, the compliance uh, aspect is really high on the agenda um, with, with businesses on this uh, topic. Um, so the publication of the 70 pages was a, a very important step, Jean-Philippe. Um, what's next? What are the steps that will be taken before this will be a reality? Yeah, so importantly first is that these model rules will have to be transposed by countries into uh, into their domestic law and as already mentioned within the eu the european commission will present uh, a draft directive to Im to implement this into into the in the eu soon so that is one important uh, point but uh, next to that there are several still open points that still have to be uh, clarified one open point is the interaction with uh, between the model rules and the us guilty and beach rules but there uh, the guilty coexistence uh, will be considered in 2022 so that is something really relevant in practice next to that one we still have the subject to text rule eh, which is part of as for those uh, following this topic know that on the 8th of october there was an inclusive framework uh, agreement where they said the subject to text rule will be an uh, in integral part of the of the deal on pillar two so that as well we will see a model provision on the subject to text rule is expected as well in 2022 and next to that is uh, important as well are the expected simplification measures and the development of an implementation framework that should facilitate the coordinated implementation of the globe rules. So uh, still a lot of things uh, on the agenda for 2022 to really have uh, the pillar two rules and the introduction of a minimum global minimum taxation uh, adopted. Okay, thanks Jean-Philippe. So the train clearly left the station. Uh, we're moving ahead quite fast, still some things to be decided. But if I would be in the audience, my question would also be, what should I start doing now with this uh, new rule set uh, coming towards me? Jean-Philippe, what's what's your take on that? Well, first of all, what should do? What should you what you should do? Uh, a recommendation is uh, first of all is um, follow up closely on this uh, evolutions eh, because a uh, lot monitoring evolutions uh, what of all what will happen in 2022 but certainly as well uh, modeling eh? now that we have uh, the model rules all elements are available to do more accurate uh, modeling and importantly there is that the model rules uh, leave certain discretion to the taxpayers and certain uh, positions are at the election of the taxpayer and only by modeling uh, these certain uh, different positions that can be taken, eh, modeling these certain elections, you will know the financial impact of each uh, election and only then the right uh, decisions can be taken. So I would say uh, monitoring and modeling would be my two recommendations.
And if I can chime in with the compliance perspective, you will need to start taking some actions to assure you're not called out, called, called out in terms of timing. Remember that even though you have 15 months to file your Pillar 2 standardized information return, you will probably need to accrue any financial impact in the first set of financial accounts, which could be as soon as year end 22. So I would start with already validating the availability of the different data points in the organization and setting up the process to roll out a really holistic approach covering people, process and technology for these Pillar 2 requirements. Based upon our experience in setting up very similar processes for gap to status tax conversions and in helping clients with the data integrity assessment, this is really not something you can do overnight. Okay, thank you, uh, Jean-Philippe, Jorgen, uh, for sharing this with the audience. It's really helpful. Unfortunately, time is sh short as always in these podcasts and we, we are approaching the end of the podcast. Um, there's still time for one last question, and, and that will be for you, Jorgen, my question today. If there would be like one final recommendation that you want to share with the audience, what would that be? I would say to make sure the broader finance team is on board. Let me explain this. The tax function is by design a downstream user of finance data. With the introduction of Pillar 2, it's clear that even more information will be required. So if you're part of the tax function, make sure to get this on the finance agenda as soon as possible. And if you're a member of the finance organization, be warned that there will be an avalanche of additional data needs coming from tax in the coming year. Thank you for those final uh, words, Jorgen. And uh, thank you for being here, Jean-Philippe, as well, because this topic is, of course, um, a very, very important topic for, for many of our listeners. So um, thank you for being here. Thank you for the audience for being here. This was uh, this is the end of the podcast. I would say stay tuned because a lot of things will happen in the coming days and in the coming weeks. And um, I'm sure we will get back to you with a new podcast if there's um, an important step uh, that is being taken. Thank you. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.